the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Come to the Lord. Come as you are. Come with your sin and confess it before Him because He will abundantly pardon. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. The angel Gabriel is telling Zacharias that he's going to have a son, that his petition that started, who knows, 50, 60 years ago, is now going to be unfolded in his life. And not only is he going to have a son, but that he is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, of the whole world. Well, that was a lot to take in. (laughs) So Zacharias said to the angel, "Uh, excuse me, sir, how's that going to work? My wife and I are really old. Look at us. We're shriveled up. Okay. It's like, how's that going to work? He was obviously doubting the power of the Lord. So the angel said to him in Luke 119, he says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of the living God. And I have been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall now be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. Wow. You're. I'm taking your voice away. You can't even talk now until this baby comes out because you didn't believe. Yes, before time began, God had planned a destiny for Zacharias and Elizabeth, just like he has done for you and for me. I'm sure Elizabeth had cried herself to sleep on many nights as she watched all of her childhood girlfriends having children and not her. It's just like, what is going on here? Everyone's having babies but me. I wonder how many times she asked and pled with the Lord, oh God, please let me have a baby. Yet nothing happened until now. And not only is she going to have a baby, but this baby that's going to come out of her womb is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God inside of her while he's growing in her womb. And he will be known as the greatest prophet that ever walked on planet earth. When we get to heaven one day and you see Elizabeth and you run into her. Elizabeth, I have to ask you a question. Yes. She's probably going to be pretty nice. Would you have rather had a baby at 18 or 19, 20, 21, when all your girlfriends are having a baby? Would you have rather had one right then? Or would you have rather had one at 80 when you were old and baggy. I wanted just what the Lord had for me, and it was perfect. 
She would not have wanted it any other way. Do you want just a baby that's going to be a no-name nothing? Or do you want to have the greatest prophet that had ever lived on planet Earth? Which brings up our second point, his destiny. Let us read what it says, picking up in verse 14. And the word became flesh, talking about Jesus. Remember, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld, we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John bore witness of him, of Jesus, and he cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Wait a second, Mary got pregnant after Elizabeth. What do you mean he existed before you? Yes, because he was from all eternity. Verse 16, for of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And this is the witness of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed, And he did not deny, and he confessed, I am not the Christ. So here we have a situation where what's happening? We have so many people that are going out into the wilderness. You have to understand, John was baptizing way east of Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits up about 2,500 feet in elevation. And you come down from that elevation and you end up in the desert. You are in the desert on the way to the Dead Sea. And if you keep going east, you hit the Jordan River before the Jordan River dumps into the Dead Sea. And it's like, that's where John was baptizing. He was out there where nobody was. He was by himself until people heard that there was a prophet of God. And people were flocking out there. They were going out there. There's just huge crowds of people out there were John the Baptist. So the religious leaders that were leading their dead church, their dead religion with no life in it, they were sending out their Levites to find out what is this guy talking about out there. So they asked him, who are you? He says, I'm not the Christ. Verse 21. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he says, I am not. Are you a prophet? He says, and he answered, no. He says, are you the prophet? He said, no. Verse 22, they then said to him, well, then who are you? That we may give answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he says, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Wow. Yes, God had a plan here. God had a plan. John was destined to be used by God. So he prepared himself to be used. How did he do that? He set set himself apart in life. He denied himself. It says here that he never drank any alcohol. Listen to what we're told in Mark chapter 1 verse 6. It says, and John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and his diet was locusts and wild honey. Wow. They didn't have any in and outs there, I guess. Okay. So he's eating locusts. Okay. That's full of protein. But anyway, John was set apart. He lived in the desert. His character was shaped out in the wilderness. 
He spent time alone with God. And the longer he spent with God, the closer he got to God. Think about that. The longer you spend with God, the closer you get with God. You know, some things never change. You know, we always like shortcuts. And I have to admit, I am the shortcut king. Anytime I can cut through a neighborhood, cut down an alley to save some of this traffic that we fight here, I do it. I am the king of the shortcut, okay? I can get around L.A. faster than anyone, I'm just saying, okay? Anyway, I'm just throwing it out there, okay? Because I cut through neighborhoods, anything. It's like as soon as it backs up, boom, I'm into the neighborhood, okay? I got the GPS. Okay, whoa, look at that street. Oh, that one goes over here. I mean, I'm just like... I just go bananas with it. And that's just how I am. And it's like, but you're, there is no shortcut in growing in your relationship with Christ. You must spend time alone with God. You must communicate with Him. You must say, Lord, Lord, what do I need to do? So many times when we pray, it's all about, yes, I had my prayer time today. What did you pray for? Me. I always pray for the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. It's my favorite subject. Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Lord, do this, Lord, do this. And we just like, it's like sometimes we need a shh. Sometimes we just shh and sit before the Lord. Sometimes we just need to be quiet before Him. Sometimes we just need to, I wonder how much time do we really spend alone with God? I can tell you this, that 99% of the time that I hear from the Lord, it's when I'm seeking Him. It's when I'm, I'm sitting before him. You know, sometimes, you know, when I'm reading the word, my mind will start drifting because, you know, I just have, you know, I'm just terrible with my mind will just, you know, fade off and everything. And I'll get done reading a chapter and I'm thinking, well, what, what did I just read? I mean, maybe I could ask you, you know, how's your devotion, Tom? I read 10 chapters today. Oh, that's great. What'd you read? I have no idea. <laughs> See, God wants us to slow down. See, I will go back. And I'll reread. If I, if I end up drifting off and I'm like, wait a minute, what did I just read? I'll go back. See, it's better to go slower than faster. Sometimes slower is faster and growing because you have to slow down. You have to read a little slower because you want to comprehend what you're reading. Like, what is this talking about here? I didn't want to just put in my time. I read my five minutes in the Bible today. I read my 10 minutes. It's like, wait a minute, what, what did you read? What, what do you think it meant? Did you stop? Sometimes I'll read a really cool verse and I'll just stop. Wow, Lord, that's deep. Wow, how does that affect me? What does that mean to me? You know, and sometimes when you're praying, it's not just... It's like you stop and you listen. If we're friends and we're talking, do, do you not just stop a little bit and listen to what the other person says? What, maybe God wants to speak to your heart. Maybe you just need to listen for a little bit when you're praying. It's like, I prayed. Well, what did you pray? Well, actually, I didn't really say much. I was just waiting on the Lord. Well, that's good. Because what does the Bible say in Isaiah 55, 6? He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And he is able to be found now. Jesus made the way for us, right? He's the advocate. He's the comforter. He's the one that stands in the gap for us. It's like there is no other gap. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go into, and talk to somebody else. There's one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. We have direct connection to heaven. We come to the Father in Jesus' name. And we have connection with him. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And God will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Come to the Lord. 
Come as you are. Come with your sin and confess it before him because he will abundantly pardon. And I need that because there's days that, I mean, I am like the Christian on fire. Then there's days that I'm just like fully ready to be used of the Lord. And then there's other days that I just fail and fall short. And I need that abundantly pardon in my life. Plus, let's not forget this incredible promise to those who seek after him. It's a familiar verse, maybe to some, but it's worth repeating again. It's in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean into your own understanding. You know, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Are you acknowledging him in all your ways? Because if you will, he will make your path straight. You ever, you ever need a front-end alignment on your car? Like when you let loose of the steering wheel, it changes lanes for you? Whoa, get back over here, you know? It's like your car's out of alignment. It'll wear your tires funny and all that kind of stuff. But when you get a front-end alignment, all of a sudden it goes straight again. Sometimes as Christians, we need an alignment because we've allowed things, we've had a few potholes, I should say, in the world, a few things that have thrown our alignment off. We've gotten involved with some things. We've looked at some things that we shouldn't have looked at. And now our alignment's off. God says, acknowledge me in all of your ways, and I will make your path straight. Yes, when we're confronted with disaster, when the familiar turns upside down, when will we settle for nothing less than him? At what point is this nothing else is going to work but him? His promise to us is he will make our path straight. Let me ask you here today, where are you going? Where are you going? What are you doing in this life? Do you know what your true purpose is? Do you know since God has purposed you from the beginning that his destiny is awaiting your embrace? God has a destiny for each and every one of us and he's waiting for you to embrace not your will for your life, but his will for your life. Yes, John the Baptist, he had a beginning. It was preordained by God. It was prophesied by the angel Gabriel. So John embraced his destiny by number one, setting himself apart, and by number two, by not overstepping his calling, which brings up our third and final point, his message. Let's read his message in chapter one, verse 25. He says, and they asked him, this is still the religious leaders out there that are peppering him with questions. And they said to him, if you're not all of this, you know, he already, they already asked him if he's the Christ, if he's the Elijah, if he's the prophet. He said, no, I'm not any of those. And they asked him and said, why then are you baptizing? Like, who are you? And if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize in water. But among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me. The thong on which sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is him. 
And he, on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man of a higher rank than I, for he existed before me, and I did not recognize him, but in order that he, uh, that he be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. He remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the son of God. Wow. Yes, John had a message to preach. It was to proclaim the truth that was prophesied 750 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. The Lord. He was not there to proclaim the way for anyone else. It was only for the Lord himself, for Yahweh to come. The gospel of Matthew records John the Baptist spelling out his own message loud and clear. Matthew chapter three, verse two, here was John the Baptist's message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at at hand. Understand, his, this message here, John the Baptist's message has not changed in the last 2,000 years. For you and for me are to bear this very same message to our world here today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, look again at what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus there in verse 29. He, he said, behold the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sin of the world. Notice, John the Baptist didn't say, Behold, the one who will make the blind see, though Jesus did make the blind see. He didn't say, Behold, here's the one who's going to make the lame walk, though Jesus did make the lame walk. He didn't even say, Behold, here's one who's going to come and raise people from the dead. Though he did raise people from the dead. He didn't say, behold, this is the one that's going to tell you how to live a strong moral life. He didn't say, behold, here comes some prophet. He didn't say any of those things. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Though Jesus did all of those other things, he came for one reason to bear the sin of all humanity upon his body. And that's why he came. That word behold in the original Greek language is a term of great surprise. It's one that means stop, look and see, behold. He's saying stop, you can't miss this. Here comes the Savior, the Lamb of God, who's going to take the sin of the world upon his body. Yes, remember, it had been approximately 4,000 years since Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. And for 4,000 years, humanity had continued to eat the forbidden fruit, living and pursuing sin. 
with the same satisfaction that we find with sin today. And what's that? No satisfaction. No matter how much you go after it, no matter how much you want it to satisfy, you still are left empty, filled only with guilt and shame afterwards. Why is it that no matter what we achieve, no matter what award we win, no matter what feat we seem to accomplish, it just never seems to last or be enough before we set out for something else? When all the while, all we really are looking for is a lasting peace, to somehow be at rest within our own soul, to be at peace with our God. Well, if that sounds a little like you, I have this to say to you today. Behold the Lamb of God. Stop, look, and see. Jesus came into the world for one reason, to die again for the sin of all humanity. He was and is the supreme and ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity. Yes, we can receive forgiveness for our sins. We can find real peace John's message was, I am the front runner, the forerunner, I should say, of the Messiah. I have been spoken of by the prophets of old, and I deserve no special treatment because of all of that. Verse 27 says, I am not worthy to untie his sandal. We're also told in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Boy, how about that for today? Can we use a little bit of that? He must increase and I must decrease. So many times we want to be seen more. We want to have the most likes. We want to have the most followers. All of these things in our social media. And yet the Bible tells us he must increase. We must decrease. As people look at us and look at us and look into our eyes, they must see less of us and more of him inside of us. That's the difference. Maybe that's why the church has died a little bit. Maybe that's why the church is not as potent as it should be in the world. That's why we're not having the impact on the world because people want to be noticed more instead of noticed less. It's like as Christ grows in us, we should be decreasing as people look in our eyes and they see more of Jesus inside of us. Yes. Amen to that. John the Baptist had a beginning. It was from the foundation of the world. He had a destiny that was to prepare the people to receive their Messiah. And he had a message. It was to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And if you're still wondering, you know, what do we have in common with John the Baptist? We have everything in common with John the Baptist. Number one, with his beginning. God knew us before the foundation of the world. Number two, we have his same destiny because we were created to know God, to worship him, and to make a difference in our world. The Bible says this. I love this verse. It's one of my kind of life verses, I guess I should say. Ezekiel 2.7, says, But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious people. Just share the gospel. The message is in the gospel that, Behold! The Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. Yes, we're to speak to the people whether they listen or not. Why? Because God desires all men and all women 
of all nationalities, of every color, to come to know him, to have their sin forgiven, to spend all eternity with him. Yes, we have the same purpose as John the Baptist had. We have the same calling as John the Baptist. We have the same destiny. And number three, we have the same message. And that is that there's a God in heaven that loves people. Notice God never asked John to work it out on his own. He filled John in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, and filled him with the Holy Spirit. When did that happen? Remember when Mary came to visit Elizabeth? Remember, John the Baptist jumped. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the presence of Mary when she first conceived Jesus. Yes, it's crazy. See, he filled John with the Holy Spirit just like he filled Mary. Remember when the angel came to Mary and said, Yes, you're going to bear the Savior of the world. Uh, okay, uh, uh, one question. I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. See, God didn't expect her to go, okay, I guess I have to go get pregnant now. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. When God calls us, he enables us, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. When you say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life on this planet, God says, okay, then I will fill that person with my Holy Spirit and give them the ability to move. That's what God has done for you and me. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 